Twig. And kegs. Oh, Plato's stepchildren. <laughs> Rob, would you care to? I do, do not. The whole song. No. But it is about. Oh, oh sorry. Okay. Maybe maybe later. Yeah. What what what's the song from? I don't know. That's a good That's question. Boxing. Eric. Was it made up for this, or is it actually a real song? Well, hold on. I'm looking at Memory Alpha. <laughs> we don't know. All right. Let, let's see here. Let's see here. Come on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. It's called Made in Wine. Straight. It was written by Leonard Nimoy himself. Oh, wow. No shit. I can't. And he recorded... Oh, well, wait. you know, he... I was just going to say, um, uh, Leonard Nimoy, well, he's not only done... <laughs> albums <laughs> but um he's actually um published uh, at least one book of poetry i i'm i'm shocked at shocked that. shocked i say yes anyway okay so it's so it's an original yep. work okay so we open the show with the enterprise responding to a distress call from is, is it the planet called plutonius or do they never even i i forget what they what they call it but um i i as i recall so they uh you know, as i recall um they don't they never name it just say uh a previously planet. undiscovered planet and leave it at the okay okay so yeah. yeah they they get a distress call medical attention is needed and they they soon are beaming down into the 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 roman columned greek or whatever it is uh looking set and they, and the fun part is, of course, uh, Alexander walks in, and announcing his presence with this great shadow effect, where he looks really tall and then it shrinks. Right. That 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 that's actually one of the best parts. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and no, no, it's 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 it, it's kind of a fun introduction and uh, and all that stuff. So yeah, they they get it off off pretty quickly and uh, and basically at that point Alexander you can tell something is wrong right. so soon they discover that the leader of this civilization Parman mm -hmm. has a cut on his leg and is dying of a massive infection And they have to train right. him. Okay, so what what about the opening of this? You want to lead off, Rob, or shall I? Is it is is it is it intriguing? Is it is it is it laughable? Uh, you know, we we can get all the way up to the part even where um, he has this delirium where he starts uh, shaking things around and throwing statues and shaking the ship. Right. So I uh, go ahead. Okay. Um, I don't hate this episode. Uh, I mean, the basic idea is sound, and uh, it's not poorly done. I guess there are some, there are definitely some ridiculous aspects to it, but actually, if you look at them within the context of the show, um, they do make sense, and I'll, when we get to the the last act, I'll follow up on that. But, uh, um, 
I don't I don't object to the basic story. It's it's an interesting premise. Uh, and one thing that I really enjoy have always enjoyed about this episode is um, the actor who plays Alexander, Michael Dunn, does a superb job. I mean, he he was a he was a noted actor. Uh, yeah, he he was in other. Things. Yeah, uh, in fact, he was in the other uh, concurrent. Um, well, it's not exactly a sci-fi show, uh, but the Wild Wild West. Um, uh, he played Doctor Miguelito Miguelito Loveless. Yeah, Doctor Loveless, with uh, Bob Conrad playing the he played the lead role in that. Who actually, okay. and he okay. he and uh, Bill Shatner are both. Um, they kind of look similar, and their acting style is similar too. So that's kind of interesting. But anyway, I digress. I really enjoy. Uh, Okay. Uh, really enjoyed his performance in this. He, uh, I, I think he, he's, he's one of the best things about yeah, this episode. Yeah. Um, there, there are, there are some of the performances are, are it, I, I swear sometimes I, I, I feel like he's a New York cab driver, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, generally he's very good and he's, you know, he's, he's very earnest without, without being completely overboard yeah. and silly. But, um, yeah, he's good. I, another thing I remember him from is this, uh, 1960s movie called Ship of Fools, oh. where he he is uh, he is on he is on that. Uh, um, it's kind of a pseudo soap opera post World War II drama that uh, one of these ensemble scandal drama movies, and they uh, I think there's some Nazis in there and stuff. Too. <laughs> but he he's he's he basically like bookends the movie where he talks about how ridiculous the people are, and uh, he's kind of the the Greek chorus, mm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Of that of that story, I I think it's mm, I think it's before this. So before it's speaking of the Greek for Greek chorus. Yeah, he, but he's good. He's uh, his character is so important <laughs> in this episode because he. We're talking about Michael Dunn, right? Who yeah. who plays Alexander? Yeah, he because his um, yeah. as all this is happening, his reactions are crucial, because we're what we're seeing is um, the crew acting ridiculously. And, you know, different moments and things that could be funny. And I, I do remember laughing at this episode sometimes. And, but it's also sort of a, it was sort of a nervous yeah. laughter a little bit because it's, what they're doing is funny, but it's also horrible. It's humiliating. And I think it's, it's interesting that the worst thing that they feel like they can do to the Enterprise crew is not, not to torture them with pain, but to humiliate them. That's the worst possible that's what's most persuasive to Dr. McCoy in trying to get him to stay is and I just think that's that's what makes this episode different, I think, than the other planet side episodes where the the crew is, you know, imprisoned or trapped or, or made to obey the alien force through pain. This is different. Um I mean it is it is sort of in the same vein as, you know, others where the crew is you know, there for entertainment, or, um, but mm-hmm. I think the fact, the humiliation, and and the, the ways in which they choose to humil- humiliate the crew members is unique. Like it's, and you know, culminating, I think, in the in the in the scandalous interracial kiss, right? That happens, and I realize I'm skipping <laughs> ahead too, um, and I guess we can we can get to that in a minute, 
but it uh i actually enjoyed watching this episode much more than i expected because i remember laughing at it i remember thinking some of the things were ridiculous that the the crew was meant to do and then i um i'm watching it again i felt like it worked better this time and it's kind of interesting but it i think Crucial to it is are the reactions I, from yeah, Alexander. Okay. Like we didn't have his reactions, his kind of horrified reactions, and his kind of sad, you know, um, him looking away, barely able to to watch. I think it wouldn't work. Right. Anyways, <clears throat> he's kind of the key key to how key key to what's going on. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, Eric, you're right. The, the concept has uh, it, it's interesting. Um, and the the idea of the telekinesis and the um, the, the historical you know bit, bit where they supposedly were on Earth and all this stuff and, and now they just sit around and mentally masturbate <laughs> or whatever. But uh, and yeah, and Alexander's great. Um, I it, for, for me this this episode is uh, has as Rob pointed out has has some some depth to it and some things that work really well. Some of it, I, I think, is ridiculous, though. And, and some of it is just the way that the, uh, the, the cast has to behave. And, and I, it's still... You know, I, I don't know if I laugh at it so much. I'm just kind of grown at, at some of the things in it. And, and some of it is almost read like bad high school play acting and things like that. That that way, just the way it comes off, and I, I I don't really blame that so much on the cast because I'm sure that's that's what they were supposed to do. Well, you know, and, uh, I was I just uh, watched this yesterday, and oh so wow! But um, I remember in the final act when uh, Parman has Kirk and Spock doing their little tweedledee tweedledum dance and chant. That you know, I I grimaced and thought, oh my. God, that must have been humiliating for them to do. But then as soon as, I mean, um, you know, after a little bit of that, Parman releases them and they're, they snap back to their normal character. And I was thinking, you know, that actually, despite how almost pathetic it looks, well, not almost, uh, it seems <laughs> it's actually intended that way because... Uh, Parm, uh, Parman expressly intended to humiliate them. Mm-hmm. So, although it's laughable, it actually fits the story and the scene. I think that's right. I, it, maybe I, I, I may, maybe I've actually realized yeah. that for the, for the first time, sort of watching it. This, and also they're they're resisting. He's making them, he's humiliating them, and they're resisting. And so that the combination is sort of. The actor's interpretation of it is that it's going to be kind of this, like, really sort of half-hearted, you know, performance. But anyway, go ahead. Oh no, that. Yeah, there, there. Oh, go ahead. There, there, there's this, this. Yeah, that, that, them jerking themselves <laughs> around the, the room and things like that. That's what she said. And and, and yeah, yeah. And again, it's, it's really it's all in the concept, and and of course the the, it's just this open invitation for Shatner to, uh, you know, writhe around on the floor and scream and things <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's 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 kind of like oh god, here we go. It's a, have some Shatner. <laughs> yeah. But it, you know, it, it, I'm sure it, it, it's called for, and I, I'm just looking at the still on memory alpha. Of Shadner, and the caption reads, "Kirk is forced to slap himself." 
yeah, yeah. And, and some of the, some of the line readings that actually that that sound ridiculous are also done by the the Platonians as well. And, and some of some of their kind of stilted. Be careful, as well. Mr. Spock. Cupid's arrow has killed Vulcans. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the, the like the the the, the chuckling uh, the crowd there near the end, and that those those two guys that look kind of like Pl- Plato yeah, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the the other thing that strikes me about the idea wise about this one is that God, these people must be fucking <laughs> bored. I mean, you know, with their half half chess set floor and all that stuff. I mean, some of it's just the lack of, of right. budget for interesting sets, but. Uh, no, because their 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 mental abilities keep them occupied. Perhaps, right? Who knows what? <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, and 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 then they get they call up to the ship. Scotty has kind of a thankless role in this one, where he just basically <laughs> yeah. said, "The ship's broken. I cannot do anything." <laughs> so fuck it. <laughs> Which is about what he says. He basically says, "I don't know what's going on. It doesn't work." <laughs> so I'm gonna go drink some scotch and say, "Fuck it." That would have been a little more, a little yeah, more really. yeah, I th- <laughs> yeah, that 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 bit's pretty silly. They obviously needed to get it established that the ship can't help them, but they, they didn't want to waste any time with with any technical yeah, training it. Which actually is kind of refreshing. Or having or, or having or having or having somebody try and right, try right. And That's true. That kind of makes it a little different than the other episodes that it's. That it resembles like Who Mourns for Adonis, and where there really does seem to be a greater effort on the part of the crew to figure out how to escape the the force that's being exerted. Yeah, yeah, that that that's that's the thing there. That I just thought that was. That was I don't know. On the other hand, would we really care that much about the exploits of the? I mean, no, no it, it and it comes it comes and yeah. goes quickly, and it isn't that important, but it. It's it's I, I found it yeah. awfully silly. <laughs> so and they explain the uh, that their their little society down there is part of a eugenics program. So here we are with selective breeding and all that stuff oh. creeping its way back into mm. Star Trek. They are a perfect thirty-eight person society. Oh, I kind of missed that. I just glossed over that. That yeah, they are, but it in the exposition. Uh, um, Harmon's wife uh, reveals that, and and also two different times Kirk asks how long it was since <laughs> since they came on the planet or something, and he's yeah, that's... like yes again. Uh, wait, can can you just remind me? <laughs> it's kind uh, of lazy. What is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, one more time. When did you get here? <laughs> Sorry, I was distracted by having to slap myself. Uh, I, I told you, Captain. I told you. <laughs> yeah. Will you listen? So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and of, and of course, they're it's made pretty clear that uh, that that they're not going to be allowed to leave, and that they need McCoy. Which uh, that that part of it, you know, that, that that makes a lot of sense. Yep. They cannot cannot let them escape and send in more <laughs> Hitlers. Here's the description. I, I shouldn't just read this, but in, in Act 2, after the or- ordeal with Kirk smacking himself around. <laughs> oh, I love it. Spock and McCoy are back in their guest chamber trying to contact the Enterprise. Oh, shit. <laughs> the, the jokes were yes. themselves. 
they're provi provided with uh, an olive branch, so to speak, and some gifts, a shield, and a funky instrument, and a really fake-looking thing of Greek cures. Penned by Hippocrates himself. <laughs> right. What the hell would I do with yeah, How useful is that really going to be? <laughs> oh, this is really useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Spock has to uh, po point out that uh, that Parman isn't really all that platonic after all. says, well, you know, we... <laughs> We've adapted the rules a little. Well, they're more like guidelines. <laughs> guidelines than rules. Yeah, yeah. This episode guidelines. is sort of a, in some ways, despite its ridiculousness, it is a meditation on power and and right, and it, it sort of presents the an exaggerated form of, you know, or heightened form of of some of the things that sort of utopian ideals that have sort of caused mankind over the over the centuries to go astray right and so the idea that you can establish an elite you know that uh, uh, philosopher kings is they're suggesting i think with this that it's it's foolish it's a foolish idea you know and i what i mean play, somebody who's a serious plato scholar would say uh duh that's the whole point plato was making you know <laughs> It is the irony yeah, they, of it. They missed it. How do, how do you mean, Rob? Um, I, I'm really not that up on Plato, so how do you mean? Well, I, th I mean, I, I think, and I, I'm no expert at all on Plato, but I think the point of it, the irony of it is that he's ex he's having them sort of establish what would be the ideal society, and they talk about it should be run by philosopher kings. And mm -hmm. But we're supposed, we're supposed to sort of realize that, that that would never work, right? So he has all these kind of, he has them in the Republic sort of talking about these various ways in which we would establish an, a utopia, but it doesn't, you realize how, how unworkable it would be, how like people's natural inclinations would never, you know, philosopher Kings would, would have, you know, power. The, the whole idea of a philosopher King is, is a contradiction in terms, I guess. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, actually what, this episode boils down to is the old saying about power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely and it's it's a common theme in star trek well it's a common theme period but uh right the take on it is uh creative so here's a question you know they at, at certain points during the humiliation phases um the characters are meant to uh, recite Shakespeare and sing songs, um, and in fact, and and do uh, kind of a flamingo <laughs> dance, and that kind of thing. And how 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 did these guys get this reference? Did they read it out of their minds, or scan the computer, or because if they left Earth after the death of Plato, how much of this stuff would have been around in in Earth culture? Uh, that's a good question. Um... I'm probably nitpicking, but it just just occurred to me, especially during the the flamenco dance business, where he almost crushes Kirk's right. head. Which Nimoy does really well. Yeah, it's very convincing. Well, um, it. I was just looking up Plato. Uh, he apparently died at somewhere around 347 to 348 BC. So I mean, that was close to. 
Well, Shakespeare sure as shit wasn't. Well, I mean, that's close to 2,000 years removed from Shakespeare, so. So there has to be um, some, yeah. They, I mean, there really is no explanation. It's just just occurred to me. Yeah, that's all. Well, they have all these psychokinetic powers, um, being able to tap into the Enterprise databanks, you know, probably isn't a huge stretch. So, when in in the little period where they are allowed to plot, <laughs> they uh, they come up with their answer of, of injecting this this stuff into Kirkens box so that they can overthrow Parman and it, it, they come up with the idea and it seems like in within five yeah. seconds McCoy <laughs> I thought has that was ridiculous it's just like wow that's amazing it, you know, it, in other episodes it would have been yeah. this race against the clock and they would have had it's like he would have been sitting there with his tricorder or his little medical exactly he would have to he would have to isolate the proper so, you know the proper formula he'd have to try it, a yes. bunch of of different iterations of it before he yep. finally yeah you're right and and if and, and, and like and, and if it was like Miri he'd have to inject himself with it yeah. first and, but we don't right. have time for that <laughs> no we did not have time we had to have another another scene and bring down the women <laughs> who are I do think that in turn this episode is well paced I find I find it well paced like in ter- just in terms of the the way that they it, the way it builds up and then slacks off a little bit and then builds up again, I think is really well done. It's very, you know, um, despite all the sort of, it, it requires them to kind of just gloss over a lot of things in the process. But that, that scene where, they're, where they have the downtime to figure things out and then they're, he counsels Alexander, you know, um, right. I think works pretty, I think it's act three, right? Yeah, the, during this um, that sort of is... downtime. It's good, and then Act Four, of course, is the the final yes, that's confrontation three. where the women show up. Um, and also in Act Three, which which is another highlight of this one, is uh, they they offer um, mm-hmm. Alexander a dose of this stuff that they're going to inject themselves with, and he yeah. refuses. And that that that's yeah, really, that's that great. that whole scene actually is uh, is really well done, and uh, I, again yeah. that. That may be the standout scene for um, Michael Dunn as Alexander. Yeah, he, he he's great. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's act. Yeah, it's well paced. I, I think my my thing is that there are there are parts of it that I think are really stupid, and I I just have this unreasonable dislike of, of the episode more than it yeah. probably deserves. But uh, I do. Yeah, I do think the odd that's what it the is. moment when Uhura and Nurse Chapel arrive on the planet the the three men crewmen are are like surprisingly un they, they don't rush to them and say okay here's what's going on right they don't, they don't say so it's everything's going to be okay yeah, here's, you know really... they don't at all they're just like yeah they just kind of just There's say no oh, oh hey you're here well <laughs> oh well i guess we're gonna be all right there's a chance <laughs> They're just the, they're reaction. just the dumb girls yeah. who don't need to say, say anything to them. Yeah, you know, it's it's rather yeah. a non-reaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting when you consider that hmm, they brought down two women. What are they going to do with them? Hmm. Right. You know that 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 can be kind of nasty. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you take this out of its um, fairly uh, tame yeah. setting. 
I mean, who knows what the hell? And and, and the pacing is interesting. That you you can say, well, they're allowed all this time to 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 rise up, basically. And it's the usual uh, problem where Par Parman and, and his his gang are so yeah. arrogant and sure of themselves that you know they, they don't worry about that kind of thing. And then they they probably, if they were really worried about Kirk and everybody, they would have figured out a very quick way to dispatch them and keep yeah. the boy around. But you know that that always happens. It's interesting. You were talking about how um, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy just kind of blow off the fact that Uhura and Nurse Chapel suddenly show up, and uh, it, because of the uh, the lewd or sexual um, innuendos that that includes, and <laughs> Charlotte and I have been watching. Game of Thrones, so, you know, by comparison, I mean, going from Game of Thrones to <laughs> this episode, it's kind of like, yeah, that's that's incredibly well, tame. <laughs> yeah, well, almost everything yeah. is. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, we move into Act 4, where they're, they're uh, <laughs> who writes the copy on this website? Uhura and Chapel step out into the main hall, both dressed in fabulous Greek dresses. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Maybe Fabulous. Such a good idea. <laughs> and and then they uh, the serenade from the laughing space. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I actually found that I don't, maybe it, maybe it's just that, that I was in a sort of contemplative mood or something. But I found it very moving. <laughs> I was listening to Are you like, serious, Rob? Yeah, like I was sort of like, oh, yeah. That's a, that's sad. I was just thinking my lucky stars that they didn't have oh, shadows. Did you know? Did you know <laughs> that they, that Nimoy recorded a version of this song on an album with full that doesn't surprise me orchestral accompaniment. Now that would be all right. Now you're going to have to go on YouTube and yeah, you're going to have to go on YouTube sure, now sure and see if you can YouTube. find that to share with us. Now that you've tempted us. Okay. Well, tell you what, we'll uh, we'll put a link to it in the in the yes, post. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So we can so we can keep on scale. I know Eric's got a time. Yeah, okay. Lines. So, are we moving? We, we don't to, have to wrap so up the right now. Act over. final. Okay. And Kirk gets out the bullwhip, mm. and the and Spock brandishes. So I, oh, before we go on, I wanted um, to just uh, the whole business oh, with the. The whole business with the the first interracial kiss. Yes. Now, um, let me see. Is uh, uh, to be more precise, it was the first kiss between a fictional white male and a fictional black female to premiere on American network television. Um, right. So anyway, uh, apparently, uh, in order to hedge their bets, uh, the producers had two versions of this. Uh, scene scripted or the the kiss scripted one where the kiss actually happens and one where it doesn't and they of course were on a tight shooting schedule so they they did both uh, they they shot the scene both ways except uh, and it may be apocryphal the the one where um, they didn't kiss Shatner um, like immediately after, looked at the camera and crossed his eyes, and thereby uh, that you know that yeah sabotaging it that footage was not usable. Yeah, they couldn't guaranteeing it. that you know that 
um, forced their hand, the, the producers, that they then had to um, use the footage of the, the kiss. Like I said, I don't know for sure if that's apocryphal, but um, that it is. That's interesting. I yeah. not heard that story. Okay, it, it, it it's it's a big deal. I mean that that's really besides Spock singing, that's probably the thing this episode is yeah. remembered for. And I remember uh, listening to uh, it. Uh, I think it was uh, Roddenberry's introduction to the VHS version of the Cage, the um, the complete version uh, that they released. I don't know. That was back in the late 80s or 90s but uh they had the apparently this episode had the network all up in arms because you know they were saying oh we're gonna get death threats and you know the bad publicity down in the south and everything will just be overwhelming Mm -hmm. and uh, from what he said they never got one letter or any protests like that at all yeah and as opposed to today when uh uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson comes on and talks about uh, um, evolution and the Oklahoma <laughs> TV station goes to Yeah, right. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> we've, um, come, we've come a long you way. You know, I, I do wonder, though. <laughs> anyway. We've come so far. Um, yeah. I, I do wonder whether if it had been... So imagine if it had been a black man kissing a white woman. Then I think mm. you would have gotten a lot mm-hmm. more blowback from it. Uh, unfortunately, that's probably yeah. true, Rob. I mean, that's to take away from from the. This. So. Wh- no, no, it, it's it, the boldness it, it of still, it. But... Still important. Yeah. I also. So uh, go ahead, Eric. I, I remember hearing somewhere, uh, Nichelle Nichols saying that originally it was in the script that Spock would kiss Uhura. And Kirk would kiss uh, Nurse Chapel, and actually that doesn't jive because Nurse Chapel, you know, the whole thing going back to the first season, her having a massive crush on Spock. But yeah, um, but, but how would that would the well, yeah, that's true. And uh, but but at least it seems a little safer if you have the alien kissing the black. Yeah, that may that may have been the logic behind that. But evidently, Shatner said, "Well, if anybody's going to get to kiss Nichelle, it's going to be me," mm-hmm. and so he, you know. I, I, that part I can... Yeah, I mean, that sounds very Shatnerian. Yeah. Yeah, word. Totally. Okay, so basically after this, uh, uh, Parman is threatened by um, Alexander, comes at him with a knife after he just can't take anymore. He's forced to turn the knife on himself, and that's when Kirk discovers he has power. Yes. Yeah, and that that's a very good tent tent scene and and then and then poor Alexander once again is is being used as a tool yeah, I, between the two battling two battling leaders. I, I kinda wondered about that. I mean, because Kirk had been so um, considerate of of Alexander and sympathetic with his plight. Uh, yeah him participating and using Alexander in such a crass way, uh, that seems out of character, but I'm not sure that given the circumstances, he really had much of a choice. Well, but, but my understanding was actually that Kirk was turning Alexander away, and Alexander himself was 
going after Parman. Because he remember Alexander says, well, see, "Why did you stop me? Why are you stopping me?" After though, what? That, that but that's a, after he 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 forces Alexander's you know, knife away from him. Yeah, uh, because at that point, Parman is trying to use Alexander to stab Kirk, and Kirk right. keeps turning Alexander back away toward Parman. So, you know. But we don't know if it's, that's... Uh, it's actually an uncomfortable scene. It's uh, the, the whole thing with that, you know, is really distasteful. But, but do we... Uh, it's do in we, keeping with uh, Parman's character. Do we actually know... But, oh, do, we, yeah. do we actually know that that's Kirk sending Alexander back towards Parman? Or is that... You know what I mean? Because at the beginning of it, Par- Alexander was attacking Parman with a knife. And then Parman turned... Made Alexander turn the knife on himself. Mm-hmm. Then Kirk undid it. You see what I mean? So it could be that well, you it wasn't know, Kirk you, trying to use. Well, it, yeah, it, it it prevents Alexander from killing right. himself. But but Kirk, once he's Kirk prevents thing. him from, then Alexander goes back to trying to kill Parman. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and and then and and then yeah, he, he tries to first it goes he he tries to get Alexander on Kirk, and then it's and then Alexander is back basically like trying to go after Parman on his own. Yeah. That was my interpretation of Kirk it anyway. But so okay. I, it did bother me as much for that reason. Okay. I don't know. I don't <laughs> <laughs> No, and I think we, um, we spent more time analyzing it than it took in the actual episode. <laughs> as as these things happen. <laughs> probably. And then, then they have a battle of wills. Yeah. And, and you know, today they they would have had like I don't know, like lightning shooting out of their fingers or something like that. <laughs> the right. Um, right. I mean, it's a uh, the fact that Kurt doesn't uh, at least beat the shit out of Parman once he overpowers him. Uh, I mean, is a real tribute to Kirk's character because, you know, in his place after what Parman had subjected them to, I don't think I would have been as uh, generous and forgiving. Well, and, and remember earlier in the episode how how angry he he yeah, and Spock is. too. And, oh, on Spe- I totally forgot about that little bit too, where where Spock <coughs> crushes the the vase, yeah. whatever that is, because he's like mm-hmm. <laughs> mastering his anger and everything. That, that, yeah. that, that was good. And, and again, another another key Alexander reaction shot, where he's like, "Oh <laughs> shit!" Yeah, <laughs> this this guy has some real yeah. rage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was quite quite a, yeah, that was a good. really good moment. I forgot. Not a good scene. Okay, I'll give him props for that. There was one other, at other the end, thing. Of course, during the they, they, oh, go ahead, Rob. No, I was just gonna say the um, uh, Philana is really uncomfortable during the scene, especially as it reaches the um, the kiss moment. You can see her; she's she's kind of. And it's hard to tell what's really going on with her. Is she starting to feel guilty? Why does she say, can we get on with it? Or mm-hmm. is That's she... That's true. Yeah, you're right, Rob. Is there something they, about they, the... She's the, obviously the, very uncomfortable. Yeah. This this display, this kind of... Maybe it's a kinkiness that she's not really cool with. Yeah, I wonder if that or if she's... Who knows what other kinds of hmm. things that Parman does. Oh. 
Or, or did she reach her limit? I guess we don't know. And then, of course, once once Kirk has, has the power, Parman is completely pathetic and everything, which you know, is somewhat satisfying. Yeah, he... Even if he doesn't get his, you know, his ass kicked. He's definitely one of the more um, pathetic characters uh, in the original series. Yeah. And the, the, sometimes it doesn't seem like the... the, the, the the uh, Platonians are all that smart. How so? How do you mean? I mean, they—they—I they, don't—I don't know. They—they just—they—they don't come off as being super geniuses so much. They—they're yeah. just arrogant. Maybe that's the idea. But they—they—they they, they, they were once really smart, or anything, but they've—they've—they've they've, they've grown into these arrogant yeah. assholes. Just what they are. And when, once they figure out that. Uh, they're they're going to leave. That he call, he calls the ship and says he has a little surprise yeah. for Scott. <laughs> that was yeah, awful. that um that that bothered me. Really not needed. Well, and you know he had Kirk had gone to such lengths to uh, reassure. His size doesn't yeah. matter. He even said that. Like, doesn't matter if you have power or what you look like, big, tall, and whatever. um, so he. And then he has to crack a short Yeah, that's just... Uh, that was... Um, that was uncalled for. Yeah. <laughs> that, that sucked. <laughs> and, you know, what a way to end the episode. Yeah. So, uh, misogyny, what do we got in this one? We, we kind of covered it, but uh, anything else? Um, I was trying to think of... I mean, since it's you know people behaving badly, it's uh, it's not necessarily a misogyny in everyday Star Trek life kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, um, Parman's wife—I can't remember what her name is just offhand—but uh, Parman's wife—I mean, she was no more or less loathsome than any of the rest of the characters. So. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. Um, you may yet cure the common cold. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah, there there are a few good lines in this one, definitely. Despite your brains, you're the most contemptible things that ever been <laughs> in this universe. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's yeah, that's good. Well, do you guys have anything else for this one? I can't think of anything. Um, Rob, did you did you end did you end up no, watching I the haven't Enterprise had a episode to do that yet, yet? But I will. Okay. We don't have time to discuss it anyway. No, but just, I will definitely curious. try to get to that, as I'm curious. Okay, well, I'll uh, we'll wrap this one up. Alrighty. And uh, until what's what, what's next on the wink of an eye? Oh, interesting. Oh yes. This one is written by Lee Cronin, A.K.A. Gene Kuhn, huh. and uh, mm-hmm. hey. Well, we can talk. We'll 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 talk about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe maybe not quite as fun as yeah. this one was. Yeah. <laughs> if I remember it, it's been actually a long time since I've seen Link of an Eye. Yep. So many more exciting exciting episodes to come. Indeed. So, well then, we will sign off for this one. Good night. Farewell.